DMM Talks Lounge. I am Jamie Derringer from Design Milk, and I will be your captain for this chat. Um, this conversation is a continuation of what we talked about yesterday at 3 p.m. Yesterday, we discussed microtrends. So we talked a lot about what's going to be happening in 2022, 2023 in terms of pattern, color, um, surface material, things like that. And today, we're going to dive a little bit deeper, but also expand to look at lifestyle and societal impact um, on design and architecture. So I'm really excited to have um, three awesome experts. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Neolith. And I, uh, we're being joined by Daniel from Neolith, who's going to say a couple words about the brand and direct you where to go if you want to go check out their products after this. So I'm going to turn it over to him, and then we will get started. Hello, everyone. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, my name is uh, Daniel Sanchez. I'm the chief commercial officer at Neolith Group. As you may know, we are a Spanish company. Uh, I'm going to try, you know, in a few minutes to explain you what it's about, okay? And for sure, as you know, as she was referring, we'll be pleased to welcome you in Hall um, West, okay, in, at the booth 101, okay? So uh, Neolith was founded in 2009. Uh, we are a man-made product, okay, 100% natural products in its composition. There is no chemicals involved. So that what makes you is to have a perfect slab, okay, because we produce in a slab. Uh, for any type of cut to size, and you can use it in indoor and outdoor, okay? No limitations, okay? As there's no chemicals involved, and that, you know, 100% composition helps you to to, uh, uh, to do whatever is in your imagination, okay? So apart from that, uh, we are globally in 100 different markets. We have a really good presence all around North America with a lot of distributors that can cover logistically, you know, all the territory, because at the end of the day, you need to supply... Uh, you know, slabs and fulfill the demand with an excellent, you know, timing. So we are really, you know, uh, performing excellent in, in this specific market. Uh, look, uh, Neolith, uh, aesthetically, we adapt, you know, the product to the market needs. Uh, this uh, year, we are introducing a new collection that was created, especially for North America. Uh, because, you know, when we think about European trends, they are, you know, slightly different to what you can find here. Europe, more contemporary, more modern, more straight lines. Here you find, you know, a transitional trend that you could, you know, should adapt, you know, in terms of design uh, to, uh, to, to, to your needs, no? to the architects and designer needs. Uh, a lot of versatility, functionality. Um, we are, and I think that we are very proud of that. And I think that this is, this is a very important fact. Uh, we are um, the first uh, company in the industry to be carbon neutral. I think that sustainability, ESG, is something that we need to get used to. Uh, and we are really working on the day-by-day -day business in order to really, uh, you know, become, you know, that reference in, in every single sector. Um, well, I think I don't have nothing else to, uh, to add. Uh, again, please uh, take the, you know, few minutes to visit our booth, okay? You will be the most welcome and we'll be able to assist you, attend you to any doubt that you may have you know about our product and where to find it okay but we know that this is you know crucial for you um you know in the in your in your day by the basis business okay thank you very much booth 101 west hall west 101 thank you so much 
Okay, I'm going to kick it off and intro all of our panelists. So um, first, uh, in the middle there is Bregan Jane. She is an LA-based interior designer, HGTV host, author, philanthropist, and mom to two boys. She stars in the Discovery Plus show, The House My Wedding Bought, and has been featured on the Food Network and HGTV shows, including Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, Property Brothers, and others. She also dedicates her time and efforts to support the protection, health, and education of women and children in Africa. All the way down next to her is Jamie Gold, who is a wellness design consultant, a fellow San Diegan, um, and also the author of three books on design and remodeling, including the award-winning Wellness and Design, A Room-by-Room Guide to Optimizing Your Home for Health, Fitness, and Happiness. She's also a Mayo Clinic certified wellness coach, a regular contributor to Forbes.com and KNB Design News, and a Clubhouse Wellness Wednesdays design segment host and creator. And next to me is Lisa Worth, who has spent her career focused on the future of design and how technology and design can intersect to enable improved project and client outcomes. An award-winning interior designer and entrepreneur, she's been featured in lots of publications for her unique approach in anticipating consumer needs and disruptive industry shifts. She's currently, uh, she currently heads design and trade at Beam, B-E-A-M, an early-stage technology company focused on improving home remodeling outcomes, and she will be speaking first. So I will give this clicker to her and pass it on. Thank you, um, Jamie. Uh, I have the, the pleasure to really talk about the before times and the after times as it relates to the pandemic's impacts uh, in the home. And uh, I'm sure many of us can relate to the idea that uh, perhaps the kitchen has become the home office and it feels like it's not going to change. Um, and, and you're right. So we're going to talk about ways as designers we can... Uh, uh, work with that. Uh, I had fun looking for uh, some cl clip art, some stock photos for this presentation because talking about the before times, the images were so optimistic. And in hindsight, they seem kind of funny. Uh, I think everybody can probably remember the last day, <laughs> you know, the, the day we went into the office. And we have a lot of nostalgia for that, right? The old foosball table, maybe the coffee station, the free beer on tap, and getting out of the house to do our work. Uh, the reality of it, again, stock photos seems really cheery. We're at home, Zoom school, uh, getting used to Zoom, working in our kitchens, um, and you know, in cases where there's two of us uh, working from home, as well as children, uh, how, how do we get this done? Uh, and uh, I thought this was the most accurate image, but it, it didn't quite convey the reality of what has happened in the last two years. So what felt like a temporary situation is actually a forever opportunity. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the changing shifts. Um, Post-pandemic, I'm curious how you fall. I, I liked the image of a cake <laughs> more than a pie chart. Um, and uh, I'm curious where everyone falls. So this is what scholars are saying from Stanford and Harvard who have been really studying remote work for decades. All of a sudden, some of the trends they were predicting have become true. Uh, Post-pandemic, 50% of the workforce is predicted to go back full-time, showing up to the office five days a week. 40% are 
are going to have the opportunity to have a hybrid schedule. That might mean going into the office one day a week, two days a week, three, but not required to be there on the traditional Monday to Friday. And then 10%, and again, this is mostly knowledge workers, are going to be fully remote. So I'd love to get a show of hands. Who's the fully remote in the room? I'm fully remote. Who's hybrid? And who has to be in the office Monday to Friday? All right, we're going to talk to your bosses later. <laughs> um, a couple key concepts to think about. When we talk about hybrid or remote work, uh, if you're not familiar with these acronyms, you're going to start seeing them more and more. Work from anywhere, meaning I can have a job in um, uh, New York, but I dial in because I choose to from Belize. Uh, work from home is uh, what we're really going to dig into here today. Uh, and obviously, we all know what that is. We've been doing it for a few years. Again, I seem to have a thing for snack foods. I don't know why. Um, but uh, when talking about some of these trends, the donut is the, the, the perfect metaphor. Uh, there's been a lot of real estate changes impacting where we work and how we work. It's, uh, uh, economists and others are calling it the donut effect. This idea, I think you, if you've seen, a lot of families are moving outside of the urban core from that donut hole and moving out to regions beyond with flexibility. Um, there's a significant effect uh, happening in that there's new high growth markets. So if you're a designer in a market like Truckee, which used to be a vacation destination, now all of a sudden this is a primary home market because you can dial into work. So lots of opportunities to uh, be a designer working in uh, what used to be regional markets, now becoming the hottest growing uh, housing markets in the country. Also, real estate brokers or agents are looking at the home office as the new powder room. It used to be you could sell your home and you didn't have to have a, a home office setup or solutions. Now you're not going to get away with that and it's actually a really hot commodity. There's also this desire and need for multifunctional spaces, um, for work, for homework, for kids, for privacy. And, and this is a really interesting um, shift. And I think kitchen designers, having started my career in the kitchen space, we're the most equipped to deal with multifunction requirements of the family. And so this is a great opportunity for everyone here um, at KBiz. And then we're going to also talk a little bit about these commercial offices. If you work in commercial design, there's quite a lot of opportunity and new demand to reconfigure and rethink how office spaces are working. Uh, when you're in a hybrid work model or a remote model, there's a lot of trends happening um, there as well. The bottom line is design is all about function <laughs> first. This is purpose driven, intentional human design. Um, it's not just enough to have a pretty office. It really has to work. And I really enjoyed at the Future of Home conference this year uh, when the CEO of Dwell Home said that home is where we work and we park our Pelotons. I, I'm not quite sure any of us would have said that two years ago. And I also really loved uh, what uh, uh, Jared from Future Hunters, these great futurists, said that home is life space. And as designers, we're really starting to think about this. So what does this mean for us and what opportunities do we have ahead? 
new locations to source clients. I mentioned this all of a sudden, moving out of I live in Brooklyn, Manhattan, you know, upstate New York, Long Island, all of these marketplaces that used to be vacation homes have become primary homes. So there's an opportunity uh, to seek work uh, in, in new areas. Also, this demand, our clients, we've been on Zoom. Our clients are now on Zoom. A few years ago, I used to try to get clients to do virtual appointments. Did I want to get in a car and commute an hour and a half for a simple touch-based meeting? I, you know, and there used to be resistance. Now everybody wants to be efficient. We're used to being on Zoom. And there's technologies that make it possible for us to do our work more effectively in an online and an e-design capability. Everything from photo to floor plans, so scanning photos into uh, 2D and 3D drawings uh, happening, um, as well as virtual project management tools uh, like what we are building right now at Beam. Every past client has new needs. So I know we've all been busy with new clients. There's this boom of focus on the home. Uh, I'm curious how many of you have reached out to every one of your clients to ask them how they're transitioning with a space you designed for them five years ago post-pandemic. If you haven't, call them this week and ask them, how is it going working from home? Can you help them with these new needs? Um, that's my homework for everybody and encouragement. We've got clients that have home office stipends. So most of the companies that move to hybrid or remote models are either giving a uh, budget uh, to make these home spaces more effective for work. Sometimes they're monthly stipends. So there's a lot of opportunity there to help your clients uh, use those funds more wisely. So again, I'm going to talk about intelligent design, um, really design thinking to support healthy behaviors. So we've all been spending a few years in our homes surrounded by our stuff, surrounded by our families, uh, surrounded by no boundaries between life, work, home, and, uh, you know, client calls. Um, how as designers can we create spaces that support that boundary setting? Uh, because this is going to be a continued demand. So I'm going to touch on a few best practices. We're going to go through them a bit quickly, but I'm going to plant some seeds of ideas of if you are uh, excited and encouraged to work with your clients and building better home workspaces, these are the categories to really dig into. The first thing to understand and is that we all want to go from temporary, you know, there was an expression that came out called the clothis. Any guesses? The closet office. Sounds terrible, but I know many people have done that. Uh, or the, uh, the desk and the bed that worked for the first month of the pandemic where your colleagues didn't mind you calling them from your bedroom, but it doesn't work so well now. Um, we all crave permanency. We've had a lot of change in the last few years. So really making sure that there's a dedicated space in the home to support all the home office needs of all the participants. So whether that's homeschooling that's continued or um, partners that both have jobs and, and have to be able to work independently, um, this is really important. Many homes have the luxury of a dedicated space, you know, a door, a room uh, that can be a home office. And uh, I live in Brooklyn, so you can assume <laughs> correctly, I don't have this luxury. But for the homes that uh, have this, have the space allocation for this, really the things to hit are decorated 
detailed and finished? How do we create a space that feels permanent, that is a happy space? Um, and so these are kind of the easy projects, the easy clients. The more common uh, scenario, sorry, that's a little sluggish, is the dynamic space which is what many of us are contending with, and that there's no dedicated space or room in the home. And so we're going to start looking at learning from co-working spaces and other ideas like hoteling um, and multifunction capabilities. Uh, this might be an island in the kitchen that has a standing counter height, um, but is paired with an ergonomic chair and really adaptive spaces. So storage bins and this idea of hoteling and carts and things that can make a space function for work during the day, but then transition in the evening when we want to put our work away and spend time with our families. So the things to think about when we are looking at outfitting home office spaces, and again, I'm really focused a lot on these multifunction spaces, whether it's the kitchen or a claim space in a dining room or in a bedroom, is making sure that there's adequate technology and power solutions. Everything from docking stations that allow you to charge your laptop and put it away, uh, to smart voice assistants, uh, video calling hubs. So if you're on the uh, video all day long, uh, resources like the Facebook portal uh, to have more effective video chat integrated with a, a television screen. Power totems. This is one of my favorite things in a kitchen, even before work from home. But pull-up power totems that can be uh, utilized when I'm working at a kitchen island and stowed away when I'm, again, ready to clean up for dinner. And uh, integrated displays. I mentioned TV screens, but rethinking how our technology is connected and how we're utilizing television screens that already exist in the home to create an environment that's conducive for work. Acoustics and privacy. Uh, commercial designers, office designers have always had to think about acoustics and residential design. Many of us haven't always been challenged with this in mind. But when you've got two folks on Zoom calls and kids in the other room, acoustics become really important. And there's a lot to learn from commercial interiors. And there's a number of beautiful products that are seamlessly integrating into residential design. Everything from acoustical pendants that are lighting as well as acoustical um, dampeners to uh, desk dividers and wall panels. Uh, even the choice of wall coverings can support in this. And um, pocket dividers and uh, pocket doors and room dividers. This is also creating privacy for workspace during the day. And again, adaptively uh, moving those dividers as you open up the space for more family activity. Seating and ergonomics. <laughs> I think uh, many of us can relate to moving from an office environment where we had a great chair to all of a sudden that really beautiful dining room chair that we were using for, <laughs> for work from home when we thought it was temporary is not enough. So really looking for task chairs that, you know, bridge the, the divide. If this is a multifunction space, if it's your kitchen or dining room, there's a lot of beautiful solutions that are both ergonomic as well as elegant and refined. Laptop stands, keyboard integration, really making sure that the ergonomics in the day-to-day, -day, if this is a permanent working from home situation, are supporting those activities. Lighting. So we've always thought about task lighting and ambient lighting. Now we also need webcam lighting. <laughs> Nobody wants to look terrible on Zoom day in and day out. There's a lot of integration of ring lights and LEDs, but 
thinking about the placement of lighting uh, and how it can support someone in their work and feeling empowered. If all you're being seen is from the, the waist up on a, a Zoom chat, it's really important uh, to make sure you're well lit, you present professionally. Sorry, the clicker is a little sluggish. The fun stuff, color and inspiration. No one wants to work in a dreary space. And we're finding, I'm seeing that uh, homeowners are really demanding spaces that feel personal. Uh, you know, we were really in this sort of neutral moment pre-pandemic. Um, and, you know, thinking about resale value of house, so choosing choices that felt safe. Now we realize we're in our homes to stay. There's a variety of factors impacting that. And, you know, really mood, emotion, personality, and values have to be reflected in our spaces. And we spend the bulk of our lives working uh, during the, uh, the, the weekdays. And so making sure the space supports those uh, feelings and uh, emotions that are important to your client. One of the things we've lost is the commute, for better or for worse. But the commute meant we went outside. We saw plants. We felt the fresh air. And so home office spaces now, well, we're seeing really this demand for natural light, a view to the outdoors, this connection to spaces that um, as we're working from home, we've, we've lost that commute. How can we bring it indoors? Natural materials, ventilation, of course, that goes with other trends towards wellness and sustainability that I know uh, Jamie's going to speak to on our panel. And the little luxuries. So again, on my commute, I used to stop for my uh, macchiato or my latte. Uh, now I don't have that in my commute. So there's this move to integrating um, very sophisticated home coffee machines if you are a caffeine addict. Uh, maybe it's the integration of your home gym environment between Zoom calls. Drop and give me 20. <laughs> but this idea of how can I support the things that my home office used to integrate uh, and used to give me. I'll also point out this idea of lounging and, you know, sort of a breakaway space. When I'm talking about creating balance for a client, it's not just enough to have a desk that's outfitted ergonomically with great lighting and supports me on the computer all day. Also creating a secondary space. Uh, to uh, be able to break away from the screen, maybe take a phone call, uh, rest my eyes, and do the things that we used to go maybe to the lounge at work to do or, you know, recreate that water cooler conversation with a phone call, but making sure that we have spaces that allow us to achieve that type of balance. I'm going to trade. That's easier, right? Hi, guys. I love how your topic was so relatable because mine is going to the non-relatable. We're going to talk about TV and social media and its impact on design trends. My kitchen looked nothing like your photos, but I could relate to everything you were saying. And we're all been struggling through the year and the demand it's had on our homes. Hello, KBiv. Are we supposed to be listening to that? <laughs> I will take this. Okay, this is forward, right? 
Okay, this is me. I'm Bregan. I'm all the things Jamie said, but every time someone introduces me, it always sounds awkward. Um, but one of the things that social media and both TV have really done to us as designers is given this instant gratification through your social media platforms or your before and afters on HGTV. It's like you can take these spaces and then all of a sudden there's an after. It's created an interesting, how do I even say it? Your clients think that you can do that for them in five days. I can build a house in five days on Extreme Makeover Home Edition because I have 350 people helping me, a thousand volunteers in every city, and they've planned it for six months. So I really just think that a lot of this design, as much as I love it and I'm seeing it everywhere, you're not seeing the process. I mean, here we all are, right? We're sourcing, we're walking we're walking in heels down the hallways. And this is all for our clients to get to know our products, to really be experts at what we do. And I think TV and social media both really challenge that before and after. It sort of disconnects you from the process and the talent that I think a lot of us here really put into our work. At the same time, no excuses because everybody's doing it on TikTok. So I don't want you to hire me to come over and fix your life, clean out a kitchen cupboard, get laundry baskets, put some wallpaper up. I think from a design perspective, when I was being hired in the past, I was, I was typically whole room, whole home, come in, revamp the whole thing. Once we were all stuck at home, it's like, I don't like this bathroom. Let me get a can of paint. And I am here for that part of it. I think that the, the thought that hiring an interior designer or redoing your kitchen means that you need to do all the slabs, repaint the cabinets, get the new hardware all at once has been demythed. And if you hate your kitchen, just get at least new hardware. I promise you're going to like it better. So there's a lot of TikTokers out there doing amazing things, and I think they are setting the example that you should feel good in your space no matter what. Okay, so this is me in my house. Um, I, I love working with Legrand, actually. <laughs> Shout out. Um, and this is a photo shoot that we did for them, but I wanted to show you guys the difference between what it takes to get that photo and what that photo looks like. I think that a lot of us have set unrealistic expectations for home that feel unreachable, right? Like anyone see like the houses on Instagram and it's just like, why doesn't my house look like that? Trust me, my house doesn't even look like your befores with like the kid on the hip with the computer. It's not that cute. There are stacks of paper everywhere. And I'm a designer saying that. So look, that closet, right? Adorable, cute. Where is that person's clothes? Because <laughs> when we style, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of you, how many of you have like styled photo shoots for your work? A lot of designers, hands, hands. Is it real life? <laughs> it's the after photo that we all take, that we aspire for it to look like, and we have been giving you this imagery for years and years, but the truth is, we clean out the closet, it's all on the bed when we take that photo, and then you think your life's a mess because your closet doesn't look like that. It's just not true. So I think we also have to learn that in the, and, and please don't stop giving me these photos because I enjoy them, but we have to give ourselves grace in the reality of 
designer photography and all these before and afters and what our actual lived-in homes are like, right? And then, okay, so this, this is a room I did for Jesse Tyler Ferguson and his husband for their new baby. We shot this. This was everywhere in AD Pro. Jesse literally called me like three months after his baby was born and was like, you're not allowed over because I can't show you what the room really looks like. <laughs> and I just think that that's the reality of life. We give people beautiful spaces. What you can't see in here is we've incorporated a day bed because he had a night nurse. We include the rocker for the seating. I mean, this was a space that he lived in, that he loved, that he felt comfortable in. But the fact that we think that our home should look this way every day, I don't think it's doing anyone any favors. Um, so I just like to share that story as a reality. I'm going to be brief. And then the other thing is, I think right now, because there is so much DIY tips available at our fingertips, there's a return back to function. Like how many of you have seen the best things on Amazon we can buy to improve our own home? I mean, my, my camera guy and like two back, that guy, he was filming me doing this Designer React series, and one of the things that a TikToker had done was lifted their shower head with an extender. And like a month later, he's like, by the way, I went home and lifted my shower head. <laughs> so there is a need for function that I think we are unveiling through all these social media channels, and we can get so many tips from our peers and I really appreciate that. Design used to be only about that aesthetic after. And now that we're putting a super zoom focus on it, we're thinking about our charging portals and everything else in our life. Um, it's, it's the return back to function that I appreciate. Um, I don't know what I was going to say about being a TV personality, but... Um, I'm also giving myself grace in the design world. We have branched out to more Zoom consultations like you were talking about. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself to be available to everybody because I could be available to nobody <laughs> at the beginning of 2020. And I think that's really diversified my business. Um, but people don't always talk about the fact that being on TV means that I'm gone a lot. I'm not available to my clients in the same way. And I really have had to look at different revenue streams. We talked about that on KBiz Next Stage. So you're in a constant state of evolution, I think, as a business owner in design. And I think everybody sees the shiny like TV picture and you're like, no, I'm doing triple the work. And if Sydney weren't here shaking her head, I'd be completely out of it. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I got some good questions for you after Jamie talks too. Perfect. So. <laughs> Do we got to switch again? <laughs> it wasn't me, guys. All right. I enjoyed those, both of them. I'm going to zoom out a bit for what I call the macro view. And I see three trends that have really impacted what we do in the design world. One would be COVID-19. Another would be real estate. And the third is demographics. I'm going to get into each of these. And I wanted to mention the photos all have credits and they're pretty much all from my Wellness by Design book. So lifestyle that relates to COVID is people got really, really interested in plants. 
even people like me who don't have a green thumb started to grow plants. And that has also turned into major manufacturers doing plant appliances. Like LG and Viking have both introduced uh, apply, uh, plant appliances that can stand on their own or go under counter. And of course, everyone has seen the countertop growing, uh, like the Aero Gardens, those have really taken off. And we've even seen cabinetry companies, Nobilia, which is, has a booth here, has uh, plant holders that you could put in your kitchen. And you can see that one, you know, an island installation. Another thing, pet love. You've heard of pandemic puppies. So that means that you would have a need for pet care centers, pet supply storage, uh, spaces that are designed for pets to eat and bathe. So that all relates to the design world. All those spaces don't happen by themselves. Hobby. People started to bake more during COVID and cook more and garden more. So creating spaces that support that is also part of what we could do, like baking centers and kitchens and meditation spaces and, and um, plant spaces. And all of that is opportunity for people in the design world. And what's notable is that almost everyone is going to continue these hobbies, even after they go back to working full time, which a lot of people have. Another one is, of course, wellness and safety concerns. We had the great toilet paper shortage of 2020, which has really driven bidet sales. Because then you are literally the king of your, your throne room at that point. Another one is that people were concerned about you know, wiping down all their packages at first before we really learned that this is more airborne. But it really spurred an interest in low maintenance finishes, just made your life easier. More people at home met more noise concerns. I've seen a lot of in interest among the appliance manufacturers of promoting the quieter dishwashers. You know, as an example, and that's what Lisa was saying, having spaces that could be closed off a bit has certainly been a trend. Uh, more organizational products. Uh, Bree and Jane showed some of those in her slides. People love organizers, and those products have really boomed, including the ones that are sold with the cabinets that you're selling. And then, of course, we've had um, pandemic stress that in some homes with busy you know, kids home, spouse home, maybe the parents move back in. Sometimes the bathroom is the only quiet space in the home. So it really took on more of a retreat feeling to it, and that's going to continue as well. Then we also have, of course, technology and remodeling. A lot of voice technology, a lot of hands-free technology. The work from home uh, also means that you have spaces that you want to look good on camera. And you might have appliances in a work from home space as well. Uh, the coffee, uh, Lisa touched on this briefly, people having coffee at home now. And also wine centers and entertaining at home. I've seen the trend in craft ice showing up at different appliance uh, vendors. And then, of course, outdoor living is just going to keep, keep surging. Then, of course, we have the real estate impacts. There's been a lot of multi-generational living and what a colleague of mine calls baby chasing, where you have the grandparents moving closer to the adult kids and grandkids. Or 
you know, you've got people moving into wellness communities and you've got a tech-enabled lock-and-leave lifestyle. So there's features that if somebody's pipe bursts or there's a leak, it will let you know. So if you're in another state, then it can shut off the water and advise you that there's a problem. We've seen, especially in California, a lot of ADUs, accessory dwelling units. I don't know, raise your hand if those are big in your area too. Yeah, so that is, I think, with the housing crunch, we're going to see more of that as well. And um, a lot of accessibility. Grandparents moving adult kids and grandkids into the big house, and they're moving into the ADUs themselves. And, of course, there's a huge shortage of affordable housing around the country. And there's neighborhoods that are being rezoned, and there are essentially buildings that are being repurposed from commercial to residential, if not fully, then some floors that could happen with, where the top three floors might be condos or apartments, and the bottom ones, you know, stay office. There are some cities and states that are banning fossil fuels. So what that is going to mean is more induction sales. And then, of course, the infrastructure bill that passed is going to make broadband universal as well. I'm not sure how long that's going to take, but people really need that technology to do the work from home and even telehealth and distance learning. So we touched a bit on you know, the remote work and that is really driving up home prices and home equity in what are called secondary markets. And we're seeing a rise in the dual work from home space. A lot of builders create homes with one home office. Now, they're either going to have two home offices or flex space that could be a second home office. And flex spaces are also for other needs too. You know, you have kids and at one point you need a play space for the kids and later it's gonna be a study space and then it might be your meditation space. So a lot of flexibility. And then people want customization. They want personalization. There was a point when I started out in design 17 years ago, everything was for resale. And I think people with the housing crunch in 2008 to 2010, and then COVID, it's like, this, is a, this space means a lot to me. I want it to feel important to me. And I'm going to design that way. And then of course, again, outdoor living is going to remain strong, even on smaller lots. Builders are going to have to figure out how they can get a side yard in. So it might not be the big expanse that we love to have, but people really realize the importance of, of that nature connection and having their own outdoor space. Last but not least are demographic impacts. So we have the, the older Gen Z folks, the 20-somethings, who are entering the home market. They want to buy, but they have some cash crunch issues. You know, a lot of debt issues with student loans. At the same time, they're very sustainability and wellness focused. And that tends to be a more expensive proposition. You know, if you want something that enhances sustainability, enhances wellness, that tends to, at this point, cost more. Now, I think over time, they're going to democratize design. That that interest, that drive to have all those things is going to make it more widely available you'll see more of that hit the Ikeas of the world. And I think that's a good thing to make it more available to more people at a better cost.
And then, of course, these folks are also digital natives. Their whole lives have been you know, with technology. So that's going to influence how people live at home, too. And there's a certain interest in the sharing economy. So whether people have you know, their own outdoor space or shared or outdoor space, whether they're sharing other resources, that's a kind of a TBD. And if you have teenagers, if you have 20-somethings, it's, it's worth seeing what their attitudes are about having their own versus sharing. Because again, these are people who grew up with Lyft and Uber and all these services that maybe I don't need a car, maybe I don't need a garage, maybe I can share this. And then at the other end of the age spectrum, there's those boomer types. And a lot of, a lot of people in their 60s, 70s want to stay in their homes. And they might be doing that with a sibling, with a friend, where you have suddenly dual suites instead of one suite. And these folks also have a lot of home equity. They've had their home for a while. It could have gone up two or three times in value which means that they have money to invest in home improvement. And that is tend to go in a couple of different ways. One will be making that space safer and more comfortable for them to live in. And the other is to invest in some pampering, things like radiant floors and steam showers and again, home fitness and the wine bars and the coffee bars and just the, the good living, which is what we all want, right? At every age. So that's what I have. And Thanks, Jamie. Go do any questions? So um, I, I I have questions for um, each one of you. Um, I'm going to start with Bregan just in case you have to take off because I know you have something else you got to get to. <laughs> so um, what what would you recommend to brands who are interested in reaching younger folks who are primarily on social media? Um, you know, even TikTok in order to discover new products and new design? I think that brands are doing a great job of partnering with, uh, and I don't like the word influencer, experts in the space. And we do that a lot. And you want them to be organic partnerships. You don't want to just find the influencer with a million posts because a lot of those influencers with a million posts, if you're selling bikinis, great. But if you're selling a cell phone, well, probably a cell phone, but anything in the home space, a sink, that's not the right person to hire. You're not reaching your target audience. So it's not always about numbers. It's about engagement and whether or not that person can, can speak to your product in an organic way. Um, but I also want to touch on the fact that I've noticed a lot of brands hire us as designers. And then when we tag back to their product page, sometimes there's not enough information there. So I think they need to think a lot about creating those social profiles as many websites. Because if we're doing a call back to your brand page, but then there's nothing really there, and influencers aren't going to like kick, click your website and then like click and click and click to like find out how big the sink is. Like they want immediate information on your page and they will only go about one click away. So I'm also always encouraging our partnerships to include not only their content on my page, but my content on your page. Yeah. Sometimes we create, we work with them to create customized landing pages so that when it comes, you know, maybe they'll see your name and a picture of you and then like Regan recommends and have, you know, the products that you're talking about on that page. Exactly. So that's really helpful. Another question I, I also have is, um, 
How much do you feel like it's appropriate to share about the behind the scenes or the process of design on social media? Because, you know, a lot of designers don't do it at all. And then there's the the other spectrum. There's people that like overshare everything. So what do you think is like the appropriate amount for people to see? Because it is important that they see something, right? So that they don't feel like it's unrealistic. I also think that's a branding question. Do you know what I mean? When we look at... Martha Stewart Living Magazine. She's not showing us like the stain on the, you know, recipe when she blended the carrots. Like we don't want to see that. We want to see the beautiful photography that we're used to. There's other people who go behind the scenes and we're addicted to like, you know, the drama of it all and the reality of it all. I mean, I see myself watching things all the time that I'm just like, oh, that's how that works. I want to see how that works. Those are two different pages talking to two different people. So it's really about your own comfort. Spoiler alert, I don't share everything, but I make it seem like I share enough to share everything. That's my comfort level. But I follow lots of people who do both on both ends. And the pretty pictures, I'm like, why can't that be me? And the doers, I'm like, I should be doing more. I love that you talk about your your brand being the most important thing. Because I do see, at times, a lot of brands or a lot of designers going kind of off brand in a way that doesn't really fit in with what they're doing. It's because they feel like they want to fit in or they want to do what other people are doing. But I think the most important thing is trying to understand what you're trying to accomplish as a designer or a design firm or a brand that makes products, you know, know your audience, know where they are and make sure that you're developing content that speaks to them and speaks to your brand. You know, not everybody needs to have a TikTok. (laughs) But at the same time, don't be afraid to try new things. I think a lot of time when you are in the process of understanding who you are, you have to go through a lot of things in order to understand where you are. And I see a lot of people pause because they're so concerned about not being on brand point that they do nothing. So totally agree. But like you can't treat it as being too precious. Yeah. Try something. If it doesn't work, pivot. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Jamie, if you could recommend like one thing that every interior designer can incorporate into their designs to facilitate wellness or to help their clients create a healthier space, what would you recommend? Dialogue. Dialogue. Have a conversation with that client about what's important to them, how they relax, how they approach fitness, how they approach food, how they approach work, and really is speaking to their listening when you're working with them. It's sometimes we think we know everything, but that person might be more adept at knowing how they like to cook, for example, or they like to work out. So I think dialogue is the most important element. That's a good point because yesterday we talked a lot about knowing your client and trying to understand what their needs are because we talked about technology trends and how you can get caught up in how cool they are. And like, you know, there are clients who want to spend a lot of money on tech because it's, it's cool and it, they think it's going to help them, but it might not be realistic and fit in with their day-to-day life. And it just doesn't make sense to spend money on $200,000 speakers if you never listen to music at home. So, yeah, knowing your client is probably, like, the the best advice for sure. 
Um, Lisa, so there's a lot of office and retail spaces that are either becoming vacant or downsizing um, due to the pandemic and this hybrid work environment. Um, so what do you think is going to, oh, also we're going to transition maybe to metaverse like oh. meetings too. So there, <laughs> that'll be a conversation for tomorrow, 1030. Come back here. I'll be talking about that. Um, how, how do you foresee these kind of vacant spaces being repurposed? Yes, uh, great question. Um, it seems like in New York every week, <laughs> there's some gloom and doom article about the real estate market and uh, what's going to happen to all of our commercial and retail spaces. Every major city uh, is having this conversation. And I love what Jamie said about dialogue. This is what's happening with companies and employees. And there's been a lot of findings coming from it. So we saw in the slide I had that we're still, many of us, going into an office. It's just a hybrid situation. And so there's some theorizing that the office towers will be turned into Amazon delivery hubs and repurposed in some ways. But the reality is, if you look at the big four tech brands, they are still all maintaining their massive tech campuses for a reason. What's shifting is what we need from the office. And so that's in the conversation between company and employee where a lot has come out, where finally employee needs in an office space matter. So this idea of the open workspace, which we all had to embrace for a very long time, and which was cacophonous and kind of disruptive. Now offices are saying that they need to create privacy. So if I'm coming into the office for two or three days a week, I want to have the ability to have some privacy. I may not have that at home if I have a spouse who's like, you know, really loud on a Zoom call, you know, so I'm actually coming to the office to get some of that serenity um, that I may not have in my work from, from home environment. Also, instead of conference rooms, and this gets into some of the technology, this idea of project spaces. So, you know, a, a space, a room that's dedicated to a company project where there's collaborative uh, workspaces and desks, you know, hoteling, you know, co-working spaces, hot desking, that's a concept. And, you know, where we can come together and collaborate and work together because that's actually what the physical space still, you know, really supports. And, you know, so those are big differences. Outdoor spaces, so offices will exist, but there'll be a shift towards, again, um, this idea, and this has to do probably with concerns around health and wellness and uncertainty of, of variants, but how can we make sure that the outdoor spaces or open air spaces can accommodate our teams coming together? So most of the real estate experts still kind of lean in, in a positive direction that office spaces are still going to exist. They're just going to shift. And I think the employee needs um, are really at the paramount. And that wasn't always the case in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. And so the employee is now king a little bit when it comes to saying, this is like when I come in and when I work for you, this is what I need to be productive. And companies are really listening and manufacturers are coming up with some beautiful, exciting new products. Yeah, I think when you make your employees happy or you listen to what they want, um, it really ups the productivity and the loyalty to the company. And we talked yesterday uh, about biophilia as being a trend. And um, it ties into what Jamie was saying about wellness and creating healthy spaces at home. You know, it's important to also create these types of spaces within the office because nobody wants to like work in a doom and gloom, fluorescent lit, like poorly lit 
dark, dank office. People want to feel like the indoor-outdoor vibe. And I think that's why a lot of offices have been moving toward that, like, what are the resumercial kind of trend over the past, you know, five or so years. And I think it's just going to become more and more prominent um, as we create these hybrid workspaces. A hundred percent. And the idea of regional hubs, too. So if you're a work-from-anywhere employee or a remote team... And we're seeing this with brands where it's this idea, if I'm a company and I have a, a hub in Dallas, I have a hub in San Diego, I have a hub in Denver, and I have a hub in New York, you can choose as an employee to tap into any of those spaces. So lots of adaptability um, is, is coming. Did you have a comment, Jamie? I was going to say, when I was working with Simon & Schuster on my last book, the person who was handling publicity had been based in New York when we started to work together. And when the pandemic struck and the office closed, she moved in with her boyfriend across the country. And she could work just as well, you know, from 3,000 miles away as she could in the New York office. I think it depends on what type of work you do, but the flexibility is certainly beneficial, you know, for lots of employees. So I think it's great. Um, well, thank you all. I would love to open it up and see if anybody has any questions for our panelists. Thank you for coming. Questions. If nobody no has any questions, no questions? Okay. Well, if no one has any questions, I want to say thank you to everybody for coming to this talk. And thank you to Neolith for sponsoring it. That's uh, West Hall 101 if you want to visit them. If you want to listen to a recording of this talk, we are recording all of our conversations in the DMM Talks Lounge. And you'll be able to listen to it, I think, in the next couple of days. If you go to kbiz.com, there's a DMM Talks page. All the recordings should be uploaded to that page fairly shortly. Um, and if you're really interested in the metaverse and how we'll all be virtually having this conversation in the next five years um, with headsets on from home, um, you can come tomorrow at 1030. I'll be talking about that. Uh, so thank you to all the panelists. It was a pleasure. I feel like this could have been three hour long conversations. We just didn't have time for that. So I'm grateful that you all kind of condensed everything down. But um, thank you so much. Jamie, I won't be here tomorrow at 1030. So can you plug your metaverse art for me? Because I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. <laughs> I do make NFTs. So if anybody needs art, digital art, regular art, yeah, plug in my art. Thanks. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs>